You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Packers Talk. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. It's Packers Therapy. It's Chris and Dave. Chris in the heart of Wisconsin, Plover. And Dave in town and country, Missouri, lovely suburbs of St. Louis. Does that mean that you have a platinum arch in the suburbs, Dave, as opposed to the stainless steel arch? We have a very small bridge that uh, goes over a a very small street. It may have an arch sort of shape to it, but it's nothing like the stainless steel glory that's downtown. (laughs) Um, You know, they say St. Louis people are the laziest people in the country because they're the ones who went west and got as far as Mississippi and said, ah, that's far enough. (laughs) (laughs) It is a gateway to the west. That's right. right. But the people that stayed were like, "Mm, I'm not doing it. It's in the middle of the country. So I guess guess it's the gateway to the east, too, if you're coming from the other way. That's right. It really is. And, you know, it's kind of a north-south, too. It could be gateway to the north and south. It's almost kind of right dead center in the... In the country, I don't know why it doesn't thrive more with businesses, but uh, it's sort of the plover of America, isn't it? Right, right it in is. the middle. That's what yeah. we've. I hear that a lot. I think that's <laughs> on a T-shirt I saw the other day. St. Louis, <laughs> the plover of America. <laughs> well, and there's Packers therapy. It was fun. <laughs> so yeah, well, it wasn't, it wasn't as fun as our last one when neither one of us were quite awake. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> I still had morning voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, now we're doing we're doing this one at nine o'clock on a Monday night. Coming off the bye week, now you spent the bye week uh, in New York City, or at least part of it, uh, doing some Broadway shows. I did. Uh, first part was in Cleveland until it snowed like crazy, which I think it snowed by by you some too, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Last week? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. we got some good snow in Cleveland, that, but then took off from there, went to New York and uh, did business for most of the time, and then saw Phantom and Wicked uh, with my oldest daughter. It was It was pretty fun. She thoroughly enjoyed both shows. They're definitely worth watching. <laughs> Um, people are not wrong in saying that Wicked and Phantom are worth seeing on Broadway. So, and then it came back on Sunday. So, is is that our pop culture segment for the week? Then no, I've got another one. It was oh, uh, all right. Yeah. We'll save it for the end. It, it was right. what I was watching while my daughter was watching Phantom and Wicked. I was watching Netflix. Uh, so I've got some Netflix to talk about. Well, I spent the week uh, breaking down a lot of tape. Uh, you know, really kind of going over things in detail. I was over at Ben Fennell's house, and we were. <laughs> breaking stuff down together. So I I am absolutely loaded for this particular podcast. I just can't find my notes. Okay, so how about this? Uh, the Carolina game was over a week ago now, and you've had time to digest it maybe between, you know, showings of, of Wicked and Phantom of the Opera. Um, so have you had a chance to think a little bit about the decision at the end of the first half, the Packers uh, inside the five-yard line, like a one-yard line, and they decide to go for the touchdown and not take what is pretty much a 99% field goal 
uh, and then go into the locker room up seven. Uh, and instead, they got they got stuffed. Uh, Jamal Williams gets hammered for like a three-yard loss. And they go into the locker room up 14-10 as opposed to 17-10. What did you think of that decision? Yeah, I have thought about it, forgot about it, and now have remembered it again now that you brought it up. So um, I have to think it through my very intense analysis. I think at the time, my thought was I would go for a field goal. I think being up by seven, the way the the game was going, I'd be okay with that. But I wasn't disappointed they went for the touchdown either. And so, again, kind of going back to that book I'm reading about thinking in bets, you, you can't – the outcome isn't how you should judge a decision, even though I think I've said that in years past. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I, I think I've learned. Have. Yeah, I, I think I have. Um, it's more of the process. Was it a good process in making a decision to, regardless of the outcome? What I can't figure out is why there was such a jailbreak to the running back. So was everyone on the same page? For that, for that yeah. play, but uh, yeah, it looked like there was at least the one missed block, or they weren't able to. It looked like it was Bakhtiari couldn't get over and cut off the guy that made the first contact. Yeah, but I think you know, being aggressive, you know, it sends the message to your team. There was also a game, I guess it was two weeks ago, where Kansas City lost to, or not Kansas City, San Francisco lost to Seattle, right. uh, which I thought was interesting. If they would have sat on the ball, they could have guaranteed a tie. Instead, right. they allowed you know Seattle to get back and actually win the game, and so it would have been to San Francisco's advantage to 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 basically go for the tie. But it you know the message it sends the team. I wonder what the psyche would have been to say, look, we're just gonna play the averages here and and sit on a tie. I think that would have been a really bad message to the team. So I think the fact that they went for it, I thought it was uh, it was a vote of confidence in the team, both offense and defense. Uh, they won the game, which if they didn't win the game, I might have felt differently. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, to be right. totally honest with you, and I'm I'm feel like I'm still under oath because I uh, was at jury duty today. So everything I say from this point forward really should be the truth. Um, but since they won the game, uh, I'm okay with the whole thing. But actually, I thought at the time it was it was a decision. I thought, you know, if they had a play that they believed in, they thought they had a mismatch. I was okay with them going for it. I think as a coach, I would have kicked the field goal. What would you have done? You know, uh, I think I would have gone for it mainly because they get the ball back to start the second half. And if they don't get the ball back, if they have to kick off to start the second half, I probably would have taken the points because then the worst that happens after um, Carolina gets the ball is the game gets tied up. They, they probably don't go for two of the I'm going to talk about that in a second here. Um, so, Given the circumstances um, and the other fact that you mentioned, which I think is really important. I mean, if you're preaching all week long or from training camp forward that, you know, we're going to be aggressive and I believe in you guys. And, you know, I know by being aggressive, we're going to make some mistakes sometimes, but that's OK because that's the way we play. Uh, if that's what you're preaching, and I think it might be, then you have to go for it there because, Basically, that is your lodestar. That's your guiding principle. So that was right on that decision. But also because of the game situation, uh, I think going for it there was completely justified. And I must admit, late in the game, you know, when it looked like they could have used those three points, <laughs> it kind of it kind of dawned on me that well, gee, I wish they would have kicked the field goal. <laughs> yeah. But but still. Uh, I, I was I was glad they went for it, even though it got stuffed, because given the game situation and when you're getting the ball back, I think that was the right thing to do. Now, was it the fourth and 28th game that Sherman didn't go for a couple times on a fourth and one 
with Amon Green, the guy who had never gotten stopped out of fourth and one all year. Uh, fourth and 26, Dave. Come on. Oh, did I say fourth and 28? Fourth and 26. I'm sorry. Right. Um, it's, uh, I can't blame on being early anymore. It's, uh, it's, it's late. <laughs> I have a very small window, very small window of being accurate. Um, you know, when you lose and you're not aggressive, it, that hurts so much more than if you're aggressive and lose. I, I think that's, this is sports. This isn't my financial investment portfolio. This isn't my kids. This is sports. I guess I'd rather, you know, lose going for it at this point. Now, I may totally change my tune if we lose by being aggressive, but I just think of if we'd have lost this game by doing that. Um, and I'm trying to think of other examples of teams that have kind of really gone for it and just blew it. Um, but I can think of that fourth and 26 game where, you know, man, Sherman, if you could have gone and for a couple of the touchdowns there, then the game would have been out of reach. We'd have never been at that fourth and 26. So I guess I, I want my coach to be aggressive. I want, uh, you know, maybe something a little bit more creative would have been better than just let's line up your guys. We'll line up our guys and we'll just smash in the middle and see what happens. I, I like, I'm a, just a big fan of some kind of misdirection to try to, uh, you know, fool the defense a little bit, but, Overall, I think I'm I'm okay with what happened. Well, you know, they ran the ball so well against Carolina, 163 yards on the ground. Even if you take out the, the seven yards from Rodgers, I mean, you're still, you know, well over 150 yards, uh, averaging like six yards a carry. Uh, so I can see, you know, why they would have run it there. I, I think they were on the one-yard line. And Williams is the kind of guy, too, a little more of a power back. Um, you know, that, that to me was a defensible call. They didn't outthink themselves. They didn't try to get cute. Uh, they tried to do what, you know, was, was working for them that day. So I'm fine. And I guess I'm fine because they won and I'm fine because they're going to get the ball back anyway. And as it, as it turned out, you know, things, things went well, as I recall, now you'd have to check this cause I'm, I'm going off a of memory here. And it's, it's been eight days now, but I think that they scored a touchdown, right? Coming out of the half. Is that, is that they correct? Did. They scored right away. And it was yeah. in five plays. What was the big play of that? Oh, my internet doesn't want to work with me. Um, it, they did score. They scored a touchdown right away to make it 21-10. Um, I, but it's funny. You, know, you call it cute. I call it creative. I mean, it's one thing giving the ball to Williams or uh, Aaron Jones when there's the threat of being able to pass the ball. But when you're on the one-yard line and you're all lined up, I mean, I don't think they spread the, the offense out. You know, I don't know if we've been that kind of team since I'm on green that have been able to bully someone into the, you know, into the end zone like that. So, um, you know, I would have liked to have tried to see maybe Aaron Jones wide rather than uh, Jamal Williams up the middle. But, you know, that's – who knows? You know, I, I might criticize that too if it didn't work. But um, I, I just think overall the more this – any offense can create more confusion and misdirection. I think with defenses being so good and so fast, I think that is so important. And I think it's going to be really important to watch uh, against San Francisco. I don't know if you were able to watch much of San Francisco play. They played twice since the Packers played. And, you know, they look pretty good to me. Even Seattle, they gave Seattle everything that they could in that game. And, um, you know, after a short week, they beat Arizona. You know, San Francisco is going to be a tough game. I watched uh, on Sunday because, you know, bye week, I watched Red Zone and I saw a fair amount of the San Francisco game. But what I saw mainly was the second half when they were making their uh, comeback. And so they they looked good, but apparently they didn't look so good earlier when they when they fell behind by, was it 16? I think they were behind by yeah, something like yeah. that. I thought the Vikings yeah. and uh, 
I think one of was down maybe twenty. Was the Vikings 20, down twenty yeah. nothing? Ugh. Yeah, so was, close was, to having a really good weekend. I know, I know that that was disappointing. Well, hey, the Bears lost, so that was fine. Yeah, you know, it's, and they're in disarray. It's always, yeah, it's always a good weekend when the Bears lose. So I did listen to six seventy the score this morning. It's great. It would. It was it was uh, uh, really nice when my uh, or our friend uh, Big Snake Man, uh, you know, alerted me and uh, I downloaded the podcast while listening to it on the way home. Uh, it is great to hear uh, Hampton and Ob just you know going off and ah man that 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 is great stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost as good as a Packers win. Yeah, <laughs> it really <laughs> so, is. Uh, uh, I wonder, is that what we sound like when the Packers lose? I don't. Are we that? No, I, well, we might have at one time, but I yeah. think we've kind of gotten old or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were just a boy of 35 when we started this. <laughs> I was. I was just a wee boy. I know, yeah. All right, how about another decision, uh, this time on the Carolina side? Uh, they score a touchdown, uh, and they're at 16. At that point, they're down, I think, by eight, right, to the Packers? Right. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. That's correct. And they decide to go for two at that point. Um, now, I want to say this is still pretty early. Is it third quarter? Maybe it's 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 fairly early. And according to um, Riverboat Ron, uh, Ron Rivera, uh, he said that was a completely analytics driven decision to go for two in that situation. Um, what did you think of the decision of the Panthers to go for two when they were? You know, with, when the extra point would have, would have put them down by by seven, uh, the going for two puts them down by by six at that point. What did you think of that decision? Well, I, so I thought it was odd because you don't see it that often. But the analytics thing is interesting. Uh, there is a podcast that I listened to that we might have talked about. The pull the goalie. Yes. Did we oh, talk? No, about? no, no. We we talked the other analytics one that you do. Um, uh, a uh, sixteen. Well, A16Z, yeah. yes, that's right. yeah, uh, yeah, right. we did talk. Right. There was a uh, Malcolm Gladwell uh, interviewed a guy, Cliff Asnes, who is a investment manager for a firm called AQR, and okay. they did a study on when is the optimal time to pull the goalie in a hockey okay. game. And right. normally they pull the, the 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 goalie with, and I don't know hockey that well, thirty seconds maybe if you're down by two, or you know, is it fifteen seconds you're down by one? It's something. It's under a minute. It's somewhere around there when you're down by a goal. And uh, they said the optimal time for whatever analytics they do, their firm is an analytics investment company, but they did whatever analytics and said, if you're, you're down by one, you should actually pull the goalie with like four minutes left in the game. And if you're down by two, you should do it in like eight minutes left in the game. Something, oh my gosh. Something oh. like that because, um, and I don't know how they solved that, but they said the reason people don't do it is because if you pull the goalie at eight minutes, you have you might have a better chance of winning, but you have a better chance also of losing by losing. Like, <laughs> by ten, and uh, and everyone's going to talk on Sports Center what an idiot you are. So no one wants to lose unconventionally, and uh, so therefore they will you know not pull the goalie until when everyone else does, which is twenty thirty seconds, whatever that is. Right. So my thought is you know you just play it straight that early in the game. Get you know you're you're behind by seven points at that point. I think it was sixteen. Uh, um, my internet's not working very well here. It was, it was uh, 24, 24 to 16. So you'd get yep. 24, 17. Um, the Packers very next play is a punt. So they got the ball back. Now, thankfully Panthers punted, we punted again, and then they almost drove to the end of the field. But what was great about that is you knew, you know, if they score, 
they have to get a two-point conversion. Even then, it's a tie game. So it was, right. it was like, I don't know, that you could play a little bit looser or maybe be a slightly more aggressive, where if it was seven points, you know, you're, there's a possibility they could, they could go for two at the end. Um, I don't really understand, though, the analytics. Like, I can kind of understand pull the goalie, like, but I don't understand with that much time why you want to be down by six rather than seven. Uh, maybe there's enough time for two field goals to tie it. I, I mean, I know being down by six is better than being down by seven, but I, I guess I don't understand what analytics makes sense there, why you would do it that early. Well, to me, you know, uh, Rivera said that it was analytics. To me, it it made uh, just sense because if you don't get it, you can still score a touchdown and get a two-point and tie the game. But if you do get it, uh, then all you need is the regular touchdown and kick the extra point and you win the game. Now, that means that you're relying on your defense to hold the other team down. Um, but still, at that point, I could certainly get the reasoning why that made sense. And I know it was unpopular. I mean, there were a lot of second guessing on both of those moves in the in the following days. Uh, but I thought both decisions by both coaches made for different reasons. I thought were, were good decisions, and I think that they played, you know, very unconventionally. But I thought smartly. Why wouldn't you go for two if you scored a touchdown in the first quarter? Then. Well, I think you should. And, always, and just always go for two. Yeah, I mean, according to the you know the guys that break this stuff down, you're you're better off going for two all the time because you will make it enough that you're not going to lose any ground, and probably in the long run, you're going to gain it. And I, you know, it's, I guess a lot of it depends, you know, what kind of offense you have, how many touchdowns are you scoring, right? Yeah. Uh, but if, in most cases, I think teams don't go for it enough um, for, for two. And I also don't think that they uh, go for it enough on fourth down in, in enough situations. Yeah, I, I get the fourth down. I, I think there could be some more aggressiveness. I don't know if you do it on your own 20. Um, I guess if you just did it every time. I always thought that was an interesting concept, but they're always going for for two. I guess I could be convinced of that because you think of, you know, how many times do you get an opportunity to score? It's not that many. And here you have an opportunity to put two on the board. All I have to do is get two yards. Like that's, that's a given, you know, it's only two, but there's, you know, there's return there and the risk of two yards is as low. You know, when you spend most of the time on your side of the field, you know, here's a chance to add another point to the, the score, but it is just one point. It's not two. Because I mean, you assume you make the extra point, so is one point worth the risk than you know just kicking the extra point? I don't, I don't know. I, I've not, I've heard the fourth down argument. I haven't heard the go for two every time argument. I don't know. If someone has said think, that. You know, I, I think that it's a case where you can't do it selectively. I think you have to do it pretty much all the time to have it make sense. If you're, if you're going to be um, a go for two team, you got to do it. Pretty much all the time. Well, but what happens if you do it selectively? If you if you were fifty five percent successful, but you only, you know, over a year, and yes, that was a good decision. You did it. You made it more than you didn't. But it happened to be during you know against bad teams where you won by thirty points, and you never did it against the good teams, and you lost more games. So I wonder if the analytics would would be on average over a sixteen game season, you might benefit, but situationally, it might hurt you more than it helps you because. It's when you do it. It's not 
it's not the total overall. It's it's how often you know does it do it in the right right time against the right teams. Um, but 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 then you have to you know pick and choose. Is this the time that it's going to work? I mean, if you if it's fifty five percent, and I and I don't know what the total is for making it. Um, I know that my son told me what it was, and I can't remember right now. It might be like forty seven percent. But the point is that's if you're if you're doing it consistently and if you're if you're not you know you're you're picking and choosing you are reducing the number of opportunities that you have to make it yeah so i i i think going for it early in the game when it's not you know strategic what the decision rivera made was either a late third or early fourth quarter that's that's different that's almost like in baseball the bunting thing you know you I, you know, well, that drives me crazy, too, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people that bunt in the third inning is ridiculous. You know, to, to me, if you're going to bunt at all, it needs to be late in the game when you absolutely need that that one particular, you know, run. Um, so, But they don't do I, that. I mean, is they don't, it, they, don't do what? they don't bunt in the eighth inning. Three to three game, they're, the whole defense is shifted to the right side. Third base is wide open. You'd like to get someone on base. You've got aces up there. They're just swinging away. They I, like I rarely see them ever bunt. They the analytics tell them never bunt, and right. that, I think that there's some common sense there that's lost when you when you don't bunt. And yeah, overall that might be true, but how about every time it's three to three with a very good pitcher, you need someone on base that you you basically could get a a walk. I mean, it's a free base. Why wouldn't you do that? Um, the analytics, if you're bringing totals together, then I I think that misses the point. This is one of those things where sports has changed when they start, you know, putting together all these big data sets and over time. Um, the problem, though, becomes is situationally. Now, in the game that the Packers played against Carolina, it was snowing. Um, now, the data sets may tell you that you're better off going for two uh, or, you know, trying to score before the half. I mean, there's all kinds of things that the analytics could be telling you. But in this particular game, you know, Packers were at home. The Packers were finding success running the ball. It was snowing. The So the, so the Sisgrass, although it's a fabulous invention, you know, maybe, you know, wasn't conducive to getting traction so you can drive it in. I mean, that's that's the problem with trusting big data sets is that it doesn't account for individual specific circumstances. Now, I'm I'm not a big bunting guy in baseball, but I can see the value in the eighth inning or in the ninth inning of doing it. What drives me crazy is when teams give up outs in the fourth inning. I mean, I just think that's completely stupid and a waste. So I guess I, I, I lean toward analytics in my sports, but I'm not, you know, completely bought into it because there there are circumstances that change what the data says. Yeah. Although I think big data and machine learning is supposed to take into account and learn, right. And, and have all those different equations. So, but you know, I, as a coach, you know, I think though, okay, you've got your laminated sheet, right? You're on the sideline and somebody during the week or a, a team of guys during the week, put the information together for you. But when they put that together on you know, Saturday afternoon, maybe, I don't know, Saturday morning, whenever it was, they didn't know what the exact 
circumstances and conditions were going to be at the particular moment he had to make that decision. Right. That, so, I mean, unless he's on the headset saying, hey, I need you to run this. Yeah, that's us, right. That's, yeah. that's, that's the problem. That's right. You, you, maybe Google could figure out the, what the right answer with the snow, the, the score, you know, all the plays in NFL history is all downloaded, tell you exactly statistically the right thing to do. You can't have that. So I guess what you have is on that score sheet is to say, you know, based on the data, uh, every time we're in the past halftime, we're always going to go for it on two. Like we're just going to, we're going to do that. That's our process. We're going to do that. And maybe very few exceptions will we do that because if it's raining or, you know, maybe you have some variables. Um, I guess I can get behind that because, again, you're trying to refine the process. If you stick to a process, uh, and then I can kind of get behind that a, a little bit. I think that's what this book, Thinking in Bets, is trying to, to say, that the outcome is the outcome, but you want a very good process trying to lead to your, your best outcome. If the process is sound, you'll have more successful outcomes than not. Um, so I wonder, it'll be interesting to see if Carolina does that now in the future. Is Are they going to go for two every time it's passed, you know, late in the third quarter or, or later? Is that... Uh, well, I guess it maybe also is the fact that they were down by seven. You know, that's part of the analytics. So you, that has to happen, too. I don't know. I guess I'm not – I don't think – you would say that the reward of one point is, is worth – a 50-50 two-point is better than a 90% one point. Well, I, I guess it's like 97% too. I mean, it's a lot higher. Actually, it's I guess the math, I just saw 50% of two point is better than 90% of one point. That is, I just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just answering well our question. Done. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the three point shot in basketball. You know, yeah. you, you all, only got to hit a third of them to, you know, to, to, to put you in, in plus territory, you know? So that's why NBA teams are bombing away from three point, you know, because you, you need to make fewer of those to get a greater reward, right? So it, 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 it makes it makes sense, but you got to commit to it, though, at the same time. It's committing to the process. And it, it's hard because it's it's different than the sports and the ideas that we grew up with. But at the same time I say that, and I'm a, and I'm a believer in those things generally, same time that I say that, my decisions might be different when I have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, as Carolina did, uh, than if I had you know, Dave in the backfield, right? You know, Dave who? Chris, or, Chris or Dave, I can't, I'm not going to say Dave who, but you know, one of us in the backfield. Oh, us. Oh yeah. yeah there you go. Well, there I can go. tell you, I'd run for the sideline. That's for sure. Yeah. You wouldn't, you well, wouldn't catch me going off the middle. <laughs> yes. But, but here's, this is it. You know, if you've got Amon Green, that's, I think why a lot of people, and you were kind of hinting at it when you were talking about that, that Eagles game back in, in 2003, or I guess January, 2004, um, that's why a lot of people were critical of that. Um, it wasn't even just that they that they didn't go for it on that uh, fourth and one when they when they wound up punting into the end zone. It was that they had Amon Green, who had had an eighteen hundred yard year. They had a road grading line. Now, regardless of what the analytics say, I think the analytics might be different or tilted, you know, based on factors like you have. Uh, a great running back at the peak of his powers and a healthy, strong, formidable offensive line. That might be an enhancer. You know, if they, if they say it's a coin flip 50-50, then I'm going for it because of the people that I have. On the other hand, if I don't have those people, you know, if, I, if I'm running with, you know, with um, 
you know, some some uh, Del Del Popcorn Rogers. Okay, you know, if if I have him in the backfield, then maybe I'm not making the same decisions that I do if I have Marshawn Lynch. Okay, so let's to make it simple. If you think uh, a success rate of kicking extra point is ninety percent, then if you think with your team that you can be 45% or greater. 45% of two points is 90% as well. Right. So that is, right. in, you should be indifferent between the two. But if you think that because you have McCaffrey and a great line and the weather, whatever it is, and you think that you've decided we have a better than 45% chance to make a two point, you should always do it. And maybe you make that call on the sideline because, you know, it's really snowing right now, or, you know, I know my team, and unless I have something else, I am always going to go for it because. I feel like we are greater than 45%. So I guess if you're really going to stick to analytics, I guess you could, that's one way of, of thinking of that. And you just have to really believe that 40, you could do it more than 45% of the time. And I suppose with McCaffrey and with his running, maybe he feels that's the case. I wonder if that's, you know, basically the analytics that they, that they look at, but, um, well, but at the same time, what if you got, you know, Gilbert Brown and, and Dominic and Sue or, right. You know, I mean, playing well, in the did middle they pass? of that line, you know? Did they pass or did they run? They uh, ran. Uh, that was um, – wait, no, wait a second. I'm, I'm thinking the last play. The last play is when they yeah. is when they ran and that got stuffed. That's a good question. I I'm think, not sure what they did on that two-point. I sure try. wish – we can – after the break, we can check because yeah, uh, my yeah. internet won't uh, allow me to click anywhere. So um, – and I did hope we're. The bill, Dave? I hope we're recording right now. As a matter of fact, I can hear you. <laughs> okay. Well, if nothing else, we've had a great conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's been a great, uh, fabulous time. <laughs> okay, I think we, is, is that a, is that a clue that we, we probably should take a break here? Is, we is certainly that what we're can. Getting at? We certainly can. Okay, as we go into break, um, I want to thank a couple of people uh, because we got more money. We I did. mean, this is this is fantastic, and we also have ourselves a brand new CPA. Yes. Yes, Jared Stevenson went to PayPal and Packers Therapy at Yahoo.com on PayPal. Jared Stevenson with a very nice contribution, gift, donation, however you want to put that. The main thing is he put money in Chris and Dave's pocket. And Jared says, been a longtime listener and really remember needing this podcast after the NFC Championship lost in Seattle. Jared, you're not the only one that needed that podcast. Dave and I needed that podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Keep did. up it the was... good work. <laughs> this is Jared from uh, Cape Breton, uh, Nova Scotia, I believe that would be, NS, in Canada. By the way, he says, loving the room service at the Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino. Wow. Yeah. I didn't think we had could... room service. Well, I I think it's uh, it's more like a drive-through. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, we, yeah. We, uh, it's Grubhub is really what it is. Yeah, he's he, he's a he's a CPA. Is that a is that a chartered accountant there? Is is that what they have in Canada? I'm not sure what it is, but their tax laws are different. So, uh, ah, what the hell? He works cheap. I I think we'll we'll hire him. Well, we we'll hire him, as, but we don't want to be audited. That is, <laughs> well, uh, but it works. He works for Canadian dollars, though. So, okay. so, that, so that's good. Let me put it this way. If you're going to audit, uh, you just report to me. Uh, we don't want Chris involved in any of the finances. <laughs> Smart enough. Smart yeah. enough. So thank you, Jeremy. We appreciate that. And also, Jeremy – now, I don't know if this is a real name or not. Jeremy Babo, B-E, capital B-E-A-U. I hope it's a real name. Yeah. Uh, What's wrong with that? Yeah. 
Well, it's almost like Jethro Bodine, but this well, is uh, uh, Tim Tim Tebow? Okay. Tim Tebow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, now, this is great because we had Jared going PayPal, and we have Jeremy Bebeau, uh going Patreon. So thank you so much for every single month, Jeremy, uh, you know, hitting us with uh, a little something-something through Patreon. And that is another way that people can uh, support this podcast, either via PayPal, PackersTherapyYahoo.com, or uh, through our Patreon site. And we appreciate that. Just we appreciate you, Jeremy. Thank you so much for supporting Packers Therapy. Okay. Um, I got to get some water because all of this uh, analytics talk is, has, has made my throat dry. Dehydrated you? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I am seriously dehydrated. We'll come back, uh, talk more um, about, uh, well, actually not so much about the Carolina game, but we will talk more Packers. And then we have the betting lines coming up and also pop culture. So we're going to have more Packers therapy right after this. Chris and Dave back with the second half of Packers Therapy. I won the toss, and I've elected to kick to Dave. And uh, I want to ask you about Aaron Jones' MVP candidate. Mm. I've heard people talking about that a lot uh, during the bye week. Is this guy an MVP candidate? Um, I've got some opinions on that. I'm kind of curious to know what you think, though. I think he could be in the running for possibly the best running back uh, or have the most effective season um, because he could have the most touchdowns. I don't know how he compares to yards with everyone, but um, he certainly has had a great year and could have that that type of uh, recognition as the best year up by a running back in 2019. But he's had a couple of down games, uh, whether it was by choice or by uh, by the way he played. Um, and I think it's going to be really hard to take away from quarterbacks that make all the difference. And um, I think the uh, Russell Wilson in Seattle has got to be really high up there. His stats are just unbelievable. Um, I guess Lamar Jackson is in the other other league. Oh, I, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the thing is, you got Aaron Rodgers on the same team. So, you know, to say he's so valuable, I, I think that would be sort of a – a mark against him that he, you know, not only that, he's got Jamal Williams, who also has a, a number of touchdowns. So um, I, I think it's, it's, I think he could certainly be in the conversation. I think it would, he would have to really step up his game and really, really be a change maker. You know, have the Packers maybe go fifteen and one or something, and he scores one or two a game for that to to happen. I. So I'm. I think it's a nice thing to say, and it's a great story, and I'm really glad we drafted him, and he's playing really well. But MVP seems a little bit of a stretch for me. Yeah, me too. I mean, I hear people saying this, and I like it because it's it's nice to have you know your guys thought of in that way. But you know, you look at the stats; he's got 11 uh, rushing touchdowns that ties him for the league lead. Uh, but when it comes to you know the actual yardage. He got 589 yards, um, and you know he's got a, a, a good 4.4 yard, you know, per carry. But you look at McCaffrey; he's got over a thousand yards already, uh, 1,059, 5.3 average, also 11 touchdowns. Um, so Dalvin Cook is the other guy with 11 touchdowns, and he's also over a thousand yards, but in 11 games. So those three guys, you put them together. Um, I mean, one of them doesn't belong, and that's our guy, probably Aaron Jones. 
but I'm glad they have him. And yeah. he's a great um, back when paired with Williams. I mean, they're different kinds of runners, uh, but they're both effective. I mean, it's kind of a thunder and lightning kind of situation. And they're lucky to have Williams uh, because I don't know that Aaron Jones, given his body type and, and the way he's built, if he is going to be a guy that you want to be carrying the ball, you know, 23 times a game. I, I just don't think he's he's built that way. So it's 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 good they have somebody else that can catch the ball, um, you know, that can run between the tackles, uh, and that is solid. He can he can you know pick up the the blitzing linebacker. Uh, they're lucky to have that because if they didn't, I don't think Jones would make it through a season. In fact, he's had difficulties making it through a season. So, yeah, uh, I like the talk, but I don't really think that it is at this point uh, merited. In fact, I would even say that Aaron Rodgers isn't really an MVP candidate. No, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, they're a better team for it by having what, two guys what, in the conversation. Right. If they're better right. than having one. Yeah, and what Rodgers' game, um, he I thought he I thought he played well against Carolina, um, only an eighty-four point four passer rating, which surprised me because I thought he played better than that. It turned out that uh, uh, Allen uh, from uh, Carolina had almost the exact same uh, passer rating, and he had an interception. I think the deal was Rodgers didn't throw for any touchdowns; they had three three rushing touchdowns, and that's probably why his rating wasn't wasn't higher. But to me, if Rodgers can go 17 of 29 for 233 yards, which is what he did against Carolina, um, and he's going to not dial in on Devontae Adams, and I, I don't think it was it was terrible this last time. He had 10 targets, so he had a third of the targets. Um, I think they're okay with that kind of distribution as long as he's looking for people other than 17. If he can, you know, not turn the ball over, uh, not dial in on one guy, um, and if he's going to have a game like that, they're not going to blow you off the field. He's not going to be an MVP candidate, but I think that the team is going to be better for it because they ran the ball 27 times and they passed it 29. That's a lot of balance, and I think that's a formula that can win for Green Bay. I think it needs to be more balanced in the passing game, though, too. You said that Devontae still was targeted Ten times Lazard was right. six. Um, right. I have uh, this list: Aaron Jones zero, Jamal Williams just one attempt, Danny Vitale one attempt. I think they are so much better when you know. Aaron, I mean, Aaron Jones had a two, what two hundred twenty-five total yards. He like I forget what the number was, but he uh, had a receiving game of over a hundred yards. I mean, that yes. guy should be very much involved in the passing game. And I think it's a real mistake not to, I know I'm never going to remember what play it was, but there was a sack that Rogers took and they showed the camera angle behind him. Oh yes. And yes. everyone <laughs> was 20 yards downfield. I mean, there was no one in the flat, no one underneath. And you know, he, he ran around, and got sacked. And I thought, man, they just don't learn the lesson at all. And I don't know what the, what the down and distance was at the time, but I remember it ended up punting. I thought, and just was like, you know, no one kind of, Broke out. When's the last time that you saw Aaron Jones sort of block and then kick out real quick? Um, I feel like those are eight to ten yard plays at a minimum. When if they would add that into the offense, I'm really going to be interested to see when they do their self scouting over the bye week if they're going to able to either convince Rodgers to make the play or call the play, or um, 
you know, or actually, you know, run run it, it to where you're going to have more passes to Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I really think that needs to happen. They scored 24 points. I think, you know, they can score 30-plus if they get those running backs involved in the passing game. You know, like you, I'm a Devontae Adams guy. I mean, I I like Devontae. Uh, I know we, you know, kid about our time with him. We didn't spend long with him. But he seems like a decent guy, and he was, you know, very thoughtful and articulate on his show, and uh, he's a hell of a player on the field. But I I think they're better as a team. Instead of him getting, I don't know, 10 targets, if he got eight targets, and a couple of those uh, went to Aaron Jones, you know, the two that they wouldn't throw to Devontae. Um, I, you and I have disagreed about a lot of things on this podcast over 15 years. One thing we've agreed on, you need to pass the ball more to the running backs. And we have said that consistently. That's the way that you keep the chains moving. And every once in a while, if you get the right guy catching the ball, if it's, if it's Aaron Jones or if it's Ryan Grant even, or Amon Green, those guys, you know, can take a, you know, a four yard pass and, and make it 29 yards. That I think is the kind of thing that they need to look at doing. Those are, are more sure passes. They're going to, you know, give you positive plus yardage. And given the kind of backs they have that can, you know, move the ball well, uh, catch it in space and run. I think that to me is a safer bet, a smarter bet, you know, than trying to find Devontae downfield for 18 yards in the seam. Uh, those are great when they work and Devontae can make that play. But to me, it's a higher risk, and I would much rather see them be more consistent. And in the game that Rodgers had where he had the perfect rating, as I recall, and I, yeah. I'd have to look at the stats again, they were you know, hitting a lot of short passes and passes to, to, to backs where they could run after the catch. Uh, I, I know there were some balls downfield too, but it wasn't all – like um, you know, Brett Favre against uh, Oakland in right. 2003. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't like that at all. And I'd like to see more of of that kind of game. And I'm not sure I want to see a 50-50 pass rush ratio either. I I think I would still rather see something that's a little more tilted toward uh, the pass, just because I think that's the kind of league it is. I think that you can be um, you, you can pass the ball without chucking it downfield you can you know pass the ball where you get a guy on that seven yard slant pattern and he you know takes it up the middle for 14 you know that kind of thing those sorts of passes rather than the long balls they throw they they even threw a lot against carolina or so it seemed that you know they were you know looking to throw the ball 35 yards downfield and and rogers you know made some of those those passes and and adams made at least one of those catches was was tremendous uh, but i i as much as that's nice to, to see, I don't think they they need to do that as much as they need to get a lot of guys involved uh, from unpredictable guys. You know, guys who come on the field and, you know, you overlook them. But the next thing you know, it's Geronimo Allison for 12 yards and her first down. That's the kind of thing that I want to see. Well, if they're going to surprise San Francisco, they could throw the ball to MVS. Because yeah. once again, no catches, one target. This guy, yeah. yeah, he's just becoming Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, and Alan Lazard, who didn't even make the team at the, at the final cut, um, you know, he is becoming really the number two. And I think there was an offense where it was Devante and Lazard uh, were the only receivers. So it feels like he's become their number two 
yeah. uh, over I, Allison and certainly over MVS. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I don't know why they're not using MVS as you know streaking from sideline to sideline, trying to hit him and in, in stride. Um, but uh, so we'll we'll see if there's any changes after the the buy the break. But you know he's been I could say I think we could say pretty disappointing season for MVS who had I kind of come into the season as a number two. Yeah, he's been kind of hurt too. He has was it? injured earlier in the season. Yeah, you, you remember it, and they thought he wasn't going to play, but he but he came back and played the next week. It was the same mm, week that they right. picked up the other Ryan Grant. I mean the new Ryan Grant as opposed to the old Ryan Grant. Um, and, but MVS played and Allison played because that was the week where Allison took that shot to the head and, you know, had a concussion and a chest injury Mm -hmm. and he played two that week. And I don't think MVS has really been quite himself. What I'm waiting for from him is, is not this, you know, go route stuff. I'm waiting to see them do what every other team does against the Packers. And that's these, you know, shallow crossing routes. Yes, exactly. Right. Sideline to sideline. You know, yeah. just three yards and run across. Um, and, and then and, you can and, maybe and have Aaron. Stride, yeah, and Aaron, then run with it. Yeah, or, and then Aaron Jones squeaks out, you know, as MVS is running to the left, Aaron Jones squeaks out to the right, and uh, he throws the open guy. Yeah, that I just saw that, remember that one play in particular where there must have been three or four guys out in coverage, and there was a whole lot of real estate between Rodgers and the receivers on that play, and it just, ah, it just drives me crazy. And against San Francisco... I think if they feel that that's the the formula to beat them, I think Rodgers gets sacked six times. They're going to score less than 20 points, and they lose the game. So I I think San Francisco's defense looks really, really fast, really good, and they're going to have to to get everyone involved and get rid of the ball quickly. You know, I I think that's – oh, I think we will talk about this probably when we do the betting lines, but looking ahead to San Francisco and having, you know, watched – a fair amount of them on red zone, as much as you can watch on on red zone. Uh, I think they are fallible, but at the same time, they're solid. I mean, definitely on defense, but their offense, I think, a lot of people don't talk about it, but I think they've, they've got a very good offense, and it's the same offense that the the Packers run. The difference is, is you know, their coach has been running it a little bit longer, and their guys have had a little bit longer time to to kind of ease into it and, and and make it their own, and I think that's going to be a big a big factor in this game uh, coming up is the fact that it's pretty much the Packers in lots of ways the mirror image except I don't think Green Bay is good on defense and I don't think their offense has quite perfected the scheme the way San Francisco has and it's it's a road game and I think those factors combined uh, give give the 49ers an edge. Yeah, it's uh, my. My thoughts and prayers go out to the Packers who have to to fly out to the West Coast. This is, uh, as we talked about, this is it's very difficult. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, I flew out to New York, and you know, I that's the only two times you know, or one time zone. Uh, I can't imagine two time zones. Uh, so I know that they're flying out on Saturday. So thank God, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, that they could survive that difficult, difficult trip um, and gotta, uh, show up on Sunday. Day. You gotta hydrate, you know. That's yeah. All. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the problem. I think they hydrated with the wrong. Well, you have to hydrate <laughs> with the right thing. Is uh, that's true. Or, that's that's true. <laughs> and uh, maybe to partake in in other things um, where you're driving up from Illinois. <laughs> but uh, uh, Jan- January first can't come soon enough for those of us <laughs> who are adjacent to the great state of Illinois. Uh, so, 
Uh, hey, that's something we, we have in common. We're both adjacent to Illinois. We are. Yeah, yeah I, I knew we had something in common. I couldn't ever put my finger on it. What did we have in common? Uh, we, it's, been, it's been 20 years and we finally figured that out. Yeah, yeah. that's it. That's uh, that's crazy. It's what a coincidence. So, well, the other thing we have in common is we happen to own three hotels and casinos. And we actually, uh, every week, we allow one lucky winner uh, to take in the luxury that is the Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino. And we do that for people who win the betting lines. And so uh, do we go over when we did the intermediate podcast, uh, the mini one on the Saturday morning, did we talk about the winners or did we not do that? Uh, hmm, I think we did talk about the winners, but um, if not, but, maybe someone can let us know. Uh, <laughs> let's see, because I, I is, all I have – Got in the, I the, must have because yeah, I have yeah. I have last the Carolina uh, okay. winner. So let's just go through that. If um, okay, when you go back to the Chargers. Uh, who was it that won the Chargers game? It must have been it must have been Jared. Someone must have won. Yeah, yeah. Um, who, who was kind enough to give us money at at PayPal Packers Therapy at Yahoo.com at PayPal. So right. thank you. Jared. Okay, so I am prepared to. Um, Give you the winner. We have a uh, single winner, and I'll give you a hint. It rains a lot where he's at. So, oh, um, in Seattle. Yeah, uh, wait. So I'll get there. Okay. okay. Uh, okay sorry. So sorry. number one, uh, how many uh, targets will Devontae Adams have in this game? You set the line at eight and a half. Uh, it was ten. Yep. So we, we wanted that to be uh, lower than that, but it was actually yes. over. Uh, number two, total yards for Christian McCaffrey. You set the line at 142. It was 141, Chris. Oh, 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 baby. Very good. Very good. You're getting, <laughs> nice you've been doing this for a long time. I, I really have, yeah. Um, number three, how many times did Aaron Rodgers get sacked? You set the line at three and a half, and it was at two. Hmm. Uh, number of catches for MVS, you set the line at two and Ooh. a half. Ooh. It was a nice round zero. Zero, yeah. It's very round, yeah. Um, combined rushing attempts for Green Bay, you set the line at 20 and a half. They had 27. A little low on, on that one. The number of sacks by the Smith brothers, you set the line at two, and they had two exactly. Uh, number of turnovers that Green Bay would, uh, I think, create, you set the line at one and a half, and they had two turnovers. Now, the two turnovers, one was McCaffrey fumbled. And, and there, was a, there was a snap. Uh, there was a goofed up snap. That's too. correct. Right. Okay. There's, there's your two. Um uh, seven and a half. Would they ever do Sweet Caroline? Uh, no one said yes, except for two very smart people, myself, including Pastor Kevin and Patrick. But unfortunately, I didn't hear any Sweet Caroline. I thought that was ah, that's too bad. Um, and then what would be uh, Zadarius Smith's sack celebration? We got a nun. Uh, and some people did put none down. He so dressed as a nun? I didn't see that. Yeah, he uh, and flew around the stadium. It was it was remarkable. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then the tiebreaker was uh, Aaron Rodgers' quarterback rating. You said 103. I said 96 oh. and a half, and it was oh, in the mid 80s. Uh, the winner this week, because it always rains when he's in the plane in Spain, is Richard yeah. Durain. Hey, baby, there you go. No, now I thought I thought Richard was is he in Seattle? I thought he was in Michigan. Yeah, what did I say, Seattle? He, no, he, I, I said rain said where, because said of rain and the plane. Oh, rain. I yeah. was thinking, you know, I thought I thought maybe it was it was our it was our associate team physician and her husband that. Uh, no, no, you, it was the other rain. Um, oh, okay, that's okay. more in the uh, the upper northwest. This was in the plane. 
I uh, saw his aunt, by the way, on Friday. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Aunt Julie, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready for uh, game 11. Uh, or is it game 11? Is it game 11? It is game it's, 11. It's, it's, uh, it is game 11, week 12. At San Francisco. Are you ready, yep. sir? I was born ready, Dave. All right. Number one, total yards for Aaron Jones. Hmm. Well, it was easy this week because he had 93. They're all on the ground. He didn't have any catches. But I think they have got to get him the ball, uh, and not and not just on the handoffs. I think they they got to pass him the ball. So I think they're going to do that. I think you're right about the self-scouting. I think he's going to have a couple catches, maybe three. Uh, and I think he, he's going to have a little hard time running. This is a good defense. So I'm going to put the combined yardage for Aaron Jones at – 106. All right. I'm going to take the over. Okay. That one. Uh, number two, I'm going back to one from last week. How many times will Aaron Rodgers get sacked? Mm. Two, this past, yeah, two, two this past week. Um, but that was against, you know, that's a pretty good number considering Carolina, I thought, was a pretty aggressive line. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And San Francisco, though, that, that that's a pretty good defense. Yeah, I, I think they can get pressure with four. And yeah. put the rest in coverage. This is going to be a tough to score if they're going to do the run or throw deep kind of offense. We need the three stages of offense. If they don't do that, then the Rodgers could get sacked quite a bit. What do you think? I'm going to put that at two and a half. All right. I'm going to take the over until I'm proven otherwise. Um, number three, how many plays will San Francisco have an offense that's more than 20 yards? Boy, that has been a big problem for the Packers this year is the explosive play. I think that's what they, uh, that's what they call say. them. Their, yep. Yeah, their, their, their term of art. Um, do we know how many Carolina had? Let me see here. Look, kind of scanning it. Looks like they may have only had one. No, no, two. two. They, had, they had a 21-yard uh, pass and a 38-yard pass. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually that's actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, the offense for San Francisco is not explosive necessarily. I'm going to put that at three and a half. Three and a half. Uh, I think at home, I think they get over. I'm going to take the over on that one. I I sure hope that's not right, but uh, more than three and a half would spell trouble for this team. Um, number four, number of touchdowns for Devonta Adams, who I guess this so far this year have had zero. Is yeah, that well? He's missed a lot of time though too. He has, so. but I, I. So will he score? I guess what's the over under on touchdowns? But it's sort of asking the question: Will he score a touchdown? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, and this is this is going to be a tough week for him to score a touchdown because they're playing against a pretty good defense. Um, hmm. Let me put that at one half. That's what I thought. I'm going to take the over. I think he scores this week. Um. Number five, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, quarterback rating. Yeah, now he's a guy that um, I think he's a good quarterback. He's a good system quarterback. Um, but I, I don't think he's quite in that um, necessarily upper echelon at this point. Uh, let's see, 84 was the rating for Allen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put that at 94. 94. I'm going to take the under on that. Can I get a 20? Is this consistent? 20 plays over. We can get a couple of running plays that are more than 20 yards. Yeah, I'll take the under on 94. Okay. Uh, uh, number six, what do you think the total score will be? Combined total score. 
Yeah, I, I would I would like to think that this is going to be a a low scoring game. Um, this Packer defense will will come to play. I know San Francisco, their defense will will come to play. So I'm going to say 37. 37. I'm going to take the over on that one too. I said 37. Yeah, I'm going to take the over. Um, number seven. Uh, given the break that they have at the bye week, what do you think the Packers' first offensive play will be? Yeah, that's a good one there. I, you know, I, for some reason, um, I don't know if I saw it on Red Zone or if I dreamed it or what it was, but I'm I'm thinking some kind of like option pass, you know, where that you haven't seen it and and they look like they're going to do the outside zone and he pulls up and you know throws it. So I will go with like a halfback option pass. All right. Yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's a rollout to Jimmy Graham. One of those, you know, fake, same kind of thing, fake to Jones and then kind of roll out. Remember that Brett oh, Favre that, used to always start that. That bootleg thing, yeah, yeah. to the, the tight end then. Yep. Yeah. I just could see that to Jimmy Graham, um, get him started. So I'm going to say the rollout to the tight end. Um, seven and a half, which team scores first? Hmm. Oh, let me see. Um Boy, the Packers do really well when it comes to that those, those scripted plays. Um, yeah, of course, it will depend if they get the ball first. Yeah, yep. um, I guess I'm, I'm going to go San Francisco on this one. I just I think being at home, they're going to be more comfortable because you know the Packers have that long flight. Yeah, all it, the way to San Francisco. It should be um, really. Yeah. W- yeah, will they show up? Will they score at all? Because it, it, it's so hard. It's well, so I think hum, hum, how many will, will be hospitalized? That, yeah. That's what I'm concerned about. That, yeah, that's right. Or at least how many will be awake? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> how many will actually, after the National Anthem, actually be awake? That's uh, all that's that my... lagging. Yeah, the lagging. Oh, just, it's well, so hard. Yeah. Um, so so do, do they fly into San Jose? Because I, I think the stadium is actually in the South Bay, right? Uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think they well, fly well, to San yeah, Francisco. No, right? I know. I've, I've flown into San Jose. That's a nicer... That's a nice airport. I like the airport well, a lot. Well, yeah, that's Silicon Valley, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super nice. Um, uh, seven three force. If they show a highlight of previous Packers San Francisco games, what is the first highlight they're going to show? Boy, just you know, there has been uh, over the last twenty five years, there's been a lot of great San Francisco Green Bay games. Uh, you know what? I think they're going to show. I think I think they'll show the uh, the uh, Owens uh, touchdown catch. Uh, that was going to be mine. Owens touchdown. All right, I'm going to go a different one. Um, yeah, you know, there's Desmond Howard in that really sloppy playoff game. Well, that um, was great. The uh, NFC trying... Championship game that was right. Yeah, that, was that the? No, that was the. That they thought that was before they played Carolina. Um, there was an NFC Championship oh, yeah. game that they played in San Francisco. That's yeah, that's what I'm um, that was the next year, yeah. And then you got the uh that was the Jerry Rice game, the Terrell Owens. I think the Terrell Owens one because it was such a um a big deal. But I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna just say one that shows Brett Favre. I'll I'll just go with one of those. Um I remember when the Packers beat San Francisco uh during the regular season. It was a big deal. It was either with Joe Montana or Steve Young. It was when Oh yeah, that was the game when Don Mikowski, right? Was it was eighty nine when they they I think they beat the Joe Montana That's team right. in eighty nine. That's yeah. right. And and then uh and then the playoffs there was a few I was with Brett Favre where they got him first in the playoffs and just 
destroy them. That was when who is the the real mean guy, middle linebacker? Simmons. Yeah, Simmons. Wayne Simmons was just destroying tight ends. Yeah, we were coming across the middle. That was a great game too. And then Dallas brought it all down. But uh, so I'm going to say the late Wayne Simmons. Yeah, I know. I wasn't yeah. going to say May he rest in peace. Um, so I'm going to say a Favre touchdown to to somebody. Um, okay. And then the tiebreaker is Aaron Rodgers total passing yards. What do you think? And he's not been passing for a lot of yards, and I think they're probably better when he doesn't. Uh, 233, a little light this past time, but I'm going to say 256. All right, I'm going to say 279. So if you would like to join Richard Durain, who, despite raining in the plane, likes to play this game, uh, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> that didn't quite rhyme. <laughs> Did, did you write that out? No. That, I, that was pretty good, that, actually. Yeah, playing good. a game doesn't technically. It works for me. It works for me. Uh, you can email your responses, write down all your answers, over-unders, and yes and no's, San Francisco, whatever your highlight. Send it all to Mike Miller at his email address, which is mitnomiller at gmail.com. Yes. That's, that's <laughs> that is M-I-T- I, I, Ah, uh, yeah. M- M- it's it's like the university. M- M- MIT. MIT. Yep. N O M I L L E R at gmail dot com, which is uh, really good because Disney Plus has come out. And, yeah, I know uh, it has. It has come out. It, it it's a ripoff, right? <laughs> well, I don't. I haven't watched too much of it yet. All right. Okay. Good. Probably. All right. So uh, we are uh, all set with that. Oh, oh, you know what we haven't done. We haven't done a surly. Oh, you're right. We haven't done a surly. All right, I know who I'll get my surly to because I wanted to mention it. Okay. My surly word goes to Miles Garrett. Oh man. <laughs> you know, we have not talked about that. And you know, Cleveland Browns they're having some problems. There. <laughs> they're full of Packers, <laughs> right? In the front office. They have yeah. like uh Wolf's son, Elliot Wolf and Highsmith and Dorsey. Is Dorsey in there? And I I mean all these and uh, uh, Randall got kicked out of the game. What, these right, are like yeah. the uh, the Packers. And Morgan uh, Burdett got hurt. I know that. Yeah, they're the what are they, the broken toys of Christmas. They're like the broken Packers of of the NFL are out there just and the whole thing. They're they're the stadium, their jerseys, everything just seems sort of so sad and depressing and and uh, dirty. I, I don't know. I I just watched the very last part of that game but i did see live when he took the helmet off and clobbered the quarterback on the head with it i i you saw know. it live i i don't know well not no, i wasn't in the stadium but i well well no i, I mean you you were watching when it, yeah because i i didn't i did not see it when it, when it, when it was happening i came back from a dinner yeah yeah it was like well when it first happened it was like up there fighting and then they did the slow-mo and you saw him yank the helmet and actually struck him in the head I I couldn't believe it. It wasn't as bad as seeing um, who was the Chicago Bear who got his his arm bent backwards. Did you see that highlight? Oh, oh no! Thank God. Oh man, <laughs> it's not perfect. Good. It's uh, it's uh, Trevathan, I think. Oh, Danny Trevathan. Well, he's the guy that that took the shot on our guy uh, yeah, Devon Cat. You yeah. gotta you gotta find that uh, that it's his right or left arm elbow bends the wrong way uh, as oh, he's diving God. for it's. It's chilling. I, I want you to see it. I don't want to see it again, but I want you to see it just so you can experience the the shame, uh, the grossness of it. But uh, my surly world goes to Miles Garrett, and poor Miles. 
um, probably cost himself quite a bit of money. I, I hope he wasn't uh, uh, behind on his bills because uh, he's he's going to be punished. I think he's suspended indefinitely, I think is... Uh, yes, is... it looks like he's... Oh, I'm watching the injury now. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, boy. Oh, oh the oh, Trevathan oh, one? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 God. It was, that reminded me of... Was it a guy in the Cowboys was it last year? And the leg injury? Yeah. Uh, that was absolutely horrific. That was right. It, it, it was the leg version of the arm thing that I just saw. Uh, it, it gives me chills just to even think about it. It's uh, oh, I can't oh, imagine was, I, pain. That, I will not be watching that a second time. No. That was horrific. Oh, goodness. Okay, Sorry. Well, anyway. Oh, wow. I, and it's, it's, it's like 1040. How am I going to sleep now? <laughs> well, uh, you can by giving me your surly word. Ah, boy. I mean, me, I'm the surly one right now. I mean, this is just. Yeah, no, of course, this is named after our CTO. Right. It's, it, it's our man. Nick Surly. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, was, I, was I made surly? Was anybody made surly? Well, uh, I, I suppose uh, Carolina fans were made surly by the decision to go for two, I think. That was probably. I mean, I, this isn't Panthers therapy here, but. I, w- I would imagine that was the case. For me, I thought, like I said earlier, I thought that was smart, but I think a lot of people were really put off by it. And even the Wisconsin uh, uh, radio guys were like tisk tisking that. Oh, what are they doing? They're just dumb. Oh my God! It's like, what are you? You know, is this like an OK Boomer moment or something? Where, come on, man! It's just, it's not that bad. But there were people that were like purists who were disgusted, and and they were. So, like, oh, I mean, that's just not smart or anything. Come on, man. Well, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Hey, that's it. I'm, I'm going to say um, you could give it to Bill Michaels was the guy that I'm thinking of who was the most put off by that. Yeah. Well, you, you could give it to Ron Rivera. Wasn't he pretty upset about, I don't know if it was the penalty or I think, uh, oh, there wasn't there a roughing the passer on a third down when uh, Rodgers was in the end zone? Oh, when uh, he made the great catch of the penalty flag. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That uh, Rivera was pretty upset about that. That was kind of a weak call. Um, uh, it was weak sauce. Yeah, and I don't know if they scored that. a touchdown on that drive, but that was another example of the Packers I think they did. I think getting they a, did. a pretty decent break uh, uh, in the in the season in a game. And so I know Rivera was pretty upset. He could well, get the surly word. Let's talk about that for a second here. I mean, the Packers, th- there have been times this season where things have gone against them, but not, not like last year. They have gotten, at the right moment, they've gotten calls. But the biggest thing is the injuries, I shouldn't say it, I guess, but they've been really, really fortunate on the injury front uh, that, they, yeah, they've had them like all NFL teams do. But it's not been that series of injuries where you lose guys for the season and not necessarily critical guys. I mean, it's been guys like Raven Green that you've lost for the year. Um, he was a good player for him. But it's not like losing one of the Smiths or something like that or or, or Aaron Jones. Um, so I don't know how much longer – or maybe this is just one, one of those special seasons where everything is going to you know come together and work out for you. And I think a lot of times teams that win or maybe win at all you know, have that kind of thing going for them. Well, I think it's because Matt LaFleur is a good-looking guy. Everything goes, goes well for good-looking people. That's uh, so he came in. McCarthy's here. Everyone's hurt. Everyone's upset. No one listens to each other. But the floor comes in. 
No one gets hurt. All the calls go your way. Um, I mean, well, that's that's my theory, at least. I'll, I'll just leave it there. Well, but LaFleur did blow out his Achilles tendon, so there was that. That's Well, yeah, it's true. But I bet but, you he got some good uh, good things out of it. I bet you he came out smelling like a rose uh, huh. despite that. I, I think everything that comes out of him smells like a rose. <laughs> he's, a, he's just a handsome man. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just cut right through it. The and, guy's – yeah. And he's on our team, and uh, we get all the breaks now. So good job. <laughs> good job. To you to- well, I say uh, – to extend our metaphor here, you smoke them while you got them, and it's lined up right now for the Packers. And I think that you gotta you gotta take advantage of the good luck when it's there, because damn it, when it goes away, it goes away. It sucks. Yeah, <laughs> they have a real opportunity. They win in San Francisco. Uh, you know, they have really set themselves in a. They'll be in. They'll have the one seed. Um, they'll have tiebreakers over lots of teams. They don't play the Saints. Um, right. And we don't play Seattle, Seattle. either, mm-hmm. so yes. we'll be able. In fact, a lot of the teams we play going forward here, even even the Bears, you know, uh, that's they're kind of sinking. We've got the Giants, the Redskins. We get through San Francisco. San Francisco, on the other hand, has to play Seattle again. Um, and I thought they had a few other teams that were tough. Kansas City, maybe. I, I thought there was some tough teams that we've played. Maybe that was Minnesota. Yeah, it was Minnesota that's got them. Yeah, that has it's still so. Um, I think the Packers they get through this game and and relatively healthy. Uh they've they've got a good shot, but man, I'm telling you Chris, it drives me nuts. The, it's all depends on how they want to run that offense. If they want to do this down the field nonsense all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's I feel like they're going to they're going to score less than 20 and lose 34 to 20 if they get the running backs involved if Williams and and Jones have 10 catches, I think they could they could win you know, 35 to 28 or something like that. I think it would be a high-scoring game. Um, we'll see what they what they want to do. Let's wrap up with some pop culture, my friend. What you got? I finished uh, Better Call Saul three seasons. Oh, I didn't see great, the fourth. Great. But what I want to talk about is I watched a documentary called The Monster, uh, The Devil Next Door. Um, is about the um, I've, the um, a man who lived in Cleveland who is accused of being Ivan the Terrible Right, uh, yes, the head of yeah. the gas chambers at right, a number of yeah. the uh, concentration camps during World War II, yep. and the documentary, which had all kinds of footage of the trial and this guy walking around, and there's all kinds of twists and turns of whether this guy was actually a Nazi, you know, I, not only just a Nazi war criminal, but the Ivan the Terrible who did just terrible things to to people uh, at those concentration camps. I mean, it, it, it. It's hard to recommend, like a lot of things we talk about, which are dark. But um, it's just the, the the depravity of what happened with with these people. Um, it almost makes it's an interesting study because it almost it makes me so angry that I, I want someone to be punished, and I almost don't care that it's this guy or not. You know, I just I just want someone to be punished. And but to go through and try to figure out is he or is he not the documentary. If you don't know the the full story, it's a really fascinating story of how this what actually happens to him um through the trial and and lots of things that follow uh it's five episodes it was really really interesting and i can't believe it's actually real um but unfortunately it is but i i found it to be very very interesting uh show so that's what i watched this week yeah i i don't know if you've ever been to one of the concentration camps in europe uh, i haven't visits. No. I, 
I uh, was at uh, Dachau, uh, which is outside of uh, Munich. And um, it was, a, you know, I was 22 or or just on the cusp of my 22nd birthday. And I had, you know, never really been anywhere or done a lot. And, uh, you know, of course, you heard about the Holocaust, even in central Wisconsin, that made made its way here. Um, But it's one thing to see a documentary, to see a movie dramatization, uh, but it's entirely different when, you know, you go to these these camps or what's left of them, the remnants of them, and you look at the displays and it is it is affecting and enormously powerful. Um, it's the sort of thing that, uh, you know, changes your life, especially if if you, you know, grown up in America or, or places that are relatively comfortable and privileged. Uh, and to think that, you know, not that long ago, and I, I was there in 1981, and these things happened, you know, less than 40 years uh, before that time. And that's not a long period of time. I, I've been out of high school for longer than 40 years. Uh, so that was a fairly recent thing. And the kind of stuff that went on, and I think maybe the creepiest part was the fact that the people that were doing these things, running these camps, were keeping such meticulous records of of these things that were going on. And you you would think, well, wouldn't you be ashamed and want to hide it? But no, they they documented these things very carefully. And so I guess they didn't think there's anything necessarily wrong. It was an okay thing to do. So um, I have not seen uh, the series. Is, is it a Netflix series? It is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I I have not seen this. I have heard of the case though. I'm I'm aware of it, and um, I I'm not sure I will watch it. I I probably will, but that's uh, well. The thing I'm going to tell you about is also a hard watch, but <laughs> but still <laughs> we need to fill in something know. light one one week. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's the staircase. Have Have you seen the staircase? I mean. I'm, the staircase at your house is not the same thing. Um, this is the story of um, of a guy, a uh, former uh, military guy. Uh, he was in Vietnam. Uh, he became a novelist. Uh, you know, he married a couple of times, and his second wife um, winds up uh, dead at the bottom of the staircase. And the whole thing is, well, was she pushed or... Did she fall? She had, she had been drinking and things like this. So this guy winds up getting arrested because, you know, you always arrest the husband. I mean, that's kind of the, the stand. Anybody who's watched Law & Order knows you always arrest the husband. I mean, that, that's what you do. And you talk um, to guys stacking boxes. Always. Exactly. Yeah, there's yeah. The witness is yeah. always stacking boxes behind the restaurant. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah that's right. So and they can't be bothered for too long. <laughs> that's I, I love. love that. I love that show, <laughs> especially with Lenny Briscoe. I mean, yeah. that's the best cop ever. Anyway, so um, anyway, it's it's uh, thirteen parts, but it plays out over like fifteen years, um, and so it's you know the initial arrest and the and the and the in the investigation, the trial, and and there's a verdict, and then there's they come back with a, a like eight years later after he's things have. I can't. I want to spoil the thing that goes on, but there's stuff that happens, and then stuff that happens again after that, and it ends in a very unsatisfying manner, uh, you know, because we're used to seeing like dramatic resolutions to things, and there's a resolution, 
but it's one that leaves you wondering. Um, and I, it's again, it's a hard watch because there's um, injustice. There is um, a lot of you know people acting in 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 prejudice. Um, there's some kind of unsavoriness on human nature that's on display, which isn't great. But it's one of those kind of compelling things. I think it would have been better as maybe a 10-parter rather than a 13-parter. Um, but if um, if that sort of thing, you know, true crime, legal system, justice v. injustice, um, you know, kind of trips your trigger, uh, I'd recommend The Staircase. It is also on Netflix, just like The Monster Next Door. Yeah, it's uh, – documentaries are – there's quite a few that come out now that Netflix and Hulu and all these it's documentaries can be so inter, entertaining, but it is a lot of the topics are just so, so dark that if you really try to really dwell on it, it's, uh, it's just, it's just so sad. You know, very rare do you have a happy documentary. Um, and maybe that should be my next thing is to watch a happy documentary. Well, I'll tell you something that was happy and this may be the best way to close off the podcast. I can't believe that I just stumbled on this tonight for the first time when I was uh, getting the stats for the uh, Packer game, the game book. Um, I went, of course, to, you know, Packers.com, and and I was looking for it, and I stumble on this video, the Lego highlights of the Packers game. Have, have you ever seen that on the no. Packers website? No. <laughs> they, they have got they, – they, they take, you know, actual plays from the game, and, you know, they – play them out with Lego characters, you know? And so on Packers.com. Yeah, it's, it's Packers.com. Uh, you go to, uh, the video section and they will have the highlights with Lego characters, um, doing the highlights of the, the most recent game, but with Lego characters doing, doing the plays. Uh, I'm going to look that up when we're done. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, and it's great because I remember that play, but it's Lego guys doing it. You know, well, so. they, maybe they should show the Danny Trevathan play with Legos. Oh. That'd be a lot more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see all the little pieces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, do we think uh, Trevathan's uh, going to be uh, doubtful for this week, or is he <laughs> questionable? Maybe yeah. he'd have to have a very big club on his arm. Oh man, that uh, if if you are feeling a little bit queasy, maybe you ate some shellfish and. You want to purge yourself? Go find the Danny Trevathan highlight. Watch it, and you will throw up, my friend. You'll <laughs> yeah. feel better. Uh, certainly better than Danny Trevathan must be feeling right about now. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. Any, anything you want to, uh, you know, leave, leave us as a as a benediction uh, before we head off and get ready for the San Francisco game? Well, you want to predict who wins? Oh boy. Yeah, I, I guess we probably could do that. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Oh, I already know what you're gonna say. I'm going to say 2017 Niners. All right. Um, I think the 49ers are going to win, too. I think it'll be something like 24-17, something like that. I think the 49ers win. So uh, we both think it's going to be close. I think the line right now uh, is, yeah, is, is a tie, Packers right? plus three. Yeah. Well, because well, that's, right, three points is the home field. So it's right. kind of a pick em situation. Um, I, I really do think, though, this is one where the home field advantage and these small differences are going to matter. And that's why I see it being a close game, a loss, but a close game. Um, but, you know, it's not a, di- a disaster because other than the Vikings, 
you know, the other four games on the schedule for the Packers are all games that they'll probably be favored in and games that they should be winners. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that the Packers are looking like a playoff team. I don't know how deep they'll go because the NFC is just so stacked this year. A lot of good teams. Right. Uh, but they'll be in the conversation. And really, you know, that's all I want from my team. I want my team to be relevant. I want them to be competitive. And I want to see them have a chance. And right now, at this point, it looks like that's everything that, you know, the 2019 version of the Packers are. Well, and if they can get through this win, um, we've been wrong before. In fact, you've been really wrong before. You had them. Oh, uh, we want, seven and nine. Seven yeah, and nine. seven and nine. So remember when I was listing all those wins to get them to nine and seven, um, I was like, I can't believe I have them at five and two. Well, they are uh, now eight and two, and maybe they'll surprise us again. That would be a really great uh, way to go into the Thanksgiving week. Well, we are going to find out. They're playing. They shifted the game to Sunday night. Uh, and well, they should. You have a a nine and one team taking an eight and two team, uh, so that by itself, uh, I think, merits the the shifting to Sunday night, which means uh, NBC, uh, which is mixed blessing, I suppose, with yeah. that. But yeah. but nonetheless, I think I'm going to make time in my schedule to watch that on Sunday night. What what about you, Dave? Yeah, I think so. There might be um, you know some good HBO on Sunday night, but I'll probably watch the game. <laughs> Okay. All right. Chris and Dave will be watching. Uh, we've, we have made a decision. We have made our decision for Packers, and we are going to watch them against the Niners Sunday night at uh, Levi's Stadium in the South Bay. And we'll be back uh, a week or so uh, with our thoughts and opinions about the game. But until that time, I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers there. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers Therapy.